Welcome back to Glass Onion Minute. This is the Movie by Minute podcast. We break down the sequel to Knives Out Glass Onion. We do it one minute of screen time at a time. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm going to fly solo on this return episode where I'm going to be covering Minute 86, which begins with Benoit Blanc and Helen sitting together overlooking a beautiful vista. move you shouldn't be here in the dark and ends with helen saying snooping 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 over and over and did i mention over again um by the way when i'm on this episode uh, i'm also going to be doing a, another uh week of shows where i'm going to be uh later on when we i'm um, going to be in week uh, what shows I'm in minutes 121 through 125. Previously, I had appeared with uh, Robert E.G. Black for minutes 51 through 55. And before that, Andrew Lind and I did 16 through 20. I've um, been part of the movie by minute podcast world. And I was host of the Bull Durham Minute and also appeared on a bunch of other ones. Okay, let's, let's uh, figure out a little bit of what's going on this minute. Uh, first of all, let's just break down the first shot that we see is Benoit Blanc and Helen looking out. And of course, he's in his terrific, uh, you know, striped shirt. She looks absolutely gorgeous. And by second two, we've cut to her close up where she is sitting. And this is a little bit of a foreshadow, not a spoiler, but a foreshadow of towards the end of the film where she has a similar shot and a similar framing where she has the utmost confidence. And in this one, there is absolutely nothing but uh, insecurity, as we now know at this point, that she is the twin sister of the more, she is the the less confident, how do we say, uh, twin sister, um, Helen. She is not Andy. She is not the genius of ex-business partner of uh, Miles Braun, but is in fact an elementary school teacher in the South who has to put on all sorts of airs to look like her more erudite and sophisticated sister. And, you know, it's one of the things that I like about this picture is that there's a lot of moments in the film that are show, not tell. There are a lot of things in this film where we're understanding some of the internalized turmoil. And she knows that she is not the wildly successful uh, upper crust sister that she has, that she's settled in her own life and it's confident in her own life. And she has to now literally walk in her sister's shoes and fill her place in front of the people who seem to be able to know her best of all. And all that insecurity is just, uh, you know, coming off of uh, Janelle's face with the wonderful shot of her uh, close up on there. And as the scene moves on, we cut back to the ship 
going across the uh, the the sea and in Greece. And I love it when films do this. I love it when films revert back. I love it when films circle back to previous shots, to previous sequences. I mean, one of the great films to do that was Francis Coppola's *The Conversation*, where they keep re uh, uh, they they keep cutting back to the same shot and the same line over and over again. But the more you see a scene and the more you see how it unfolds, little details that may be um, difficult to comprehend the first time you see it suddenly become a lot more clear. And in the early shot, when we when we think that Helen is actually Andy, the first time we see this shot, the first time we see being on the boat, she looks, she's mysterious, and she seems cool as a cucumber. But they did, and they did cut to her hand kind of being shaking on the guardrail there. And the first time you see it, it's a strange detail that leads a little bit to the audience. They're going, what's going on there? Why, why are we cutting to that shot? That's a weird shot to cut to. Well, now when we see the same scene again, but with the knowledge of who it really is, we see that she is intensely nervous. The first time we saw the scene was from behind. So basically we're seeing the first time we had the scene, we're seeing it from the point of view of Birdie J. We're seeing it from the point of view of Duke Cody looking at the back of her head, not seeing how, you know, so the back of her head where it appears to be calm. And we're not seeing her expression. We're not seeing what she's thinking. And it's they're more caught up in the mystery of why she has shown up. And of course, at that point in the film, the audience didn't know why it was so mysterious that she was there. So it was, there was it was mysterious for one reason. And now we're seeing uh, literally from a different point of view where we're seeing her face that she's not cool as a cucumber, but she's actually on the verge of hyperventilating. Uh, there's a the the duck analogy is coming to my mind, which is when you see a duck very calmly on a on the pond swimming along it looks very calm and tranquil because you just see the duck and you just see the the body and if you look right underneath the water the duck's uh flippers are paddling frantically and that analogy forgive me makes sense to me that from one perspective everything looks calm and cool but in reality she's completely a mess and we're seeing that that one cutaway the strange cutaway they had initially of her hand shaking on the railing was really a sign of she's not who she says she is. She's really kind of just barely hanging on. And while she's creating this uh, aura that she's cool and Birdie is behind her and they do do the cutaway where she looks back at Birdie, which we see that she's faking it until she's making it. But we, she's no longer the, mysterious figure that she was in the first we now are completely seeing it from her perspective there's a lot of things in this film which are about perspective of who is who are the eyes of the scene earlier in the the this podcast i did the episodes where they all met on the dock leading into the boat and we saw that that scene was uh it was basically seen from benoit's point of view where the people are coming in piece by piece 
they're staged in a way where they were on the screen, uh, all meant something of everyone's relation to each other. And Benoit's was observe was basically observing it. On this scene, when it was done in the initial, the, the first time we saw the scene on the boat, it was basically being told from Bertie's point of view of we're seeing this person who has become an interloper. When she, of course, remember when she arrived at the dock, she arrived separate from everyone else. Everyone was already on the gangplank, and she clearly was separated physically, but separated emotionally from everyone else. And we saw the same thing as happening when we first saw her. Like, what is her deal? Why are they all mysterious about her? Now it's clearly being seen from Helen's point of view that she has to play this part. Duke and Bertie, I think they're on me. They were just being assholes. Well, that's not mutually exclusive. Now look, I suspect when we're all settling in, Brown's gonna pull me aside to explain my presence. That is your chance to snoop. Snoop? Snoop. Snooping. Snoop. And so the the element of perspective of who's watching it, whose eyes are we seeing this scene through, is something that Ryan Johnson seems to have a lot of fun in doing all throughout the film, right from the beginning when he was sending the uh uh when we were when he they were sending out all the different puzzles to the to the to the influencers. And right through to the end of the film was whose whose eyes are we seeing the scene through? And I think it's one of the elements of the film that I think is I think make it very clever and re- and rewatchable. Um, we cut to uh, Benoit's shoe. This is one of my favorite moments with Daniel Craig, and one of the reasons why. And as I said before, one of the reasons why this film works, I think, it's the same reason that the other Ryan Johnson series. Uh, Poker Face works, it's why Columbo works, why anything, why Murder, She Wrote works, why uh, the uh, the Murder in the Orient Express works, why any, why Sherlock Holmes works, is that you enjoy watching the intelligence and the humor of the main detective. And, you know, you're seeing a man who played the most famous spy of all time, James Bond, having a wonderful time just with his voice, with his dress, and with his demeanor uh, playing the detective. And he's doing a thing where he's pretending to tie his shoe, but it's really a chance for him to catch up with Helen. Um, there's a there's a scene in the film Quiz Show, which is a film I absolutely love and adore, where Ray Fine's character of uh, Charles Van Doren does a, does a very similar thing, where he... he pretends to tie his shoe in the in a car uh when he's an extraordinarily famous person and he's what he's really doing is he's buying himself some time so he can time leaving the car to be surrounded by adoring fans and beautiful girls um this is a little different that he's tying his shoe so he can have a, a private conversation but uh it's just played with a lot of you know, it's played with a lot of subtle, you know, sort of subtle humor from, uh, uh, from Daniel Craig, who has the great exchange of uh, General Manet throws a, a straight line out of, uh, I think they're on to me, or maybe they're assholes, 
And uh, <laughs> Daniel Craig, this Benoit, says those are not mutually exclusive. Um, this is in so many ways. The shot, you know, at around uh, second 43 in, in this is one of the reasons why this film works beyond the script, beyond the commentary of our worship of tech geniuses, or beyond just the the uh, you know the puzzle that is the film. It is a mystery. Whether or not the mystery makes sense isn't really even important. They're movie stars, beautiful people, having fun in beautiful locations. Here we see Daniel Craig, who's obviously a fantastic movie star. We see Janelle Monáe, who's obviously a great star, and, and the camera's absolutely in love with her. We have the background where we're seeing, is it the Mediterranean or the Aegean Sea? I should know my seas a little bit better. But you've seen the European Sea. You've got the boat. You've got the beach. You're in these exotic locations. It's one of the things, that, as I mentioned before, would make the Bond films so great is when Bond goes to you know, uh, you know know exotic locales in order to do his in order to do his James Bonding. And you know, we see that in in any film. Like we want these things to be in locales that are beautiful with beautiful people. And you know, we also want to see beautiful rich people get the rug pulled from them. That's a big, big thing about you know Colombo. Colombo always t- pulls the rug out from fabulously wealthy people. But we we now know that um, that Helen is an underdog here. So it means that uh, the entire uh, the entire perspective of what we're seeing in this scene is being told from someone who is truly an outsider, someone who doesn't belong here. And you know when you had the uh, when you had the 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 moment where Kate Hudson says you shouldn't be here, that line, suddenly has a brand new meaning knowing who the knowing about the uh uh identity of who she is you know initially it was about you shouldn't be here because of your relationship with everyone else and what that devolved into but now uh it means you shouldn't be here because you're not who you are you actually should not be here and you you're seeing that the the link between Helen and Marta Cabrera in the first Knives Out film, where she was not as wealthy and as everyone else, and everyone looked at her as an outsider, you're seeing uh, a lot of the parallels between those two characters in this scene as it's basically uh, an, an attempt for her to try to fit in here, try to assimilate best she can. Whether or not it's possible is completely uh, is completely up for grabs. Uh, the scene, you know, as Benoit gives her, her the instruction to uh, snoop around, she's left alone, which is again a terrifying moment. And you get look at this scene when she's in she's in her room inside the Glass Onion Mansion or in the the mansion on the island, and. She's just repeating herself, snoop around, snoop around, like, like, like it's an instruction that she has to memorize. This is a scene that I'm sure an editor might cut out because it doesn't, it may not move the story along. It may seem somewhat superfluous. Okay, we got to snoop around, so cut to her snooping around. 
I like that this that shot is here. I like it is because it it does continue to drive home the character that she is out of place, that she's scared out of her wits, that she doesn't really know what she's doing there, and that she is in constant fear of being found out. And it makes for I think a really nice touch on this uh, on this scene and in this minute. So look at that's pretty much what I have on minute 86. Uh, and I just, I, I've, I want to reiterate that I've, I am a big fan of these films. I, I know some people uh, have criticized Glass Onion a lot more than Knives Out, uh, but I enjoy that both films have a fun formula. I love that they're films for grownups. I love that they're fun. You shouldn't, you know, like they should be treated with, you know, a sense of being a dark comedy in a similar way that I find episode, I find Columbo to be, it's technically a drama, but there's so much humor in it that it might as well be a comedy. And that this is a way to see movie stars get together and have fun and have it be for the moms and dads, have it be for the grownups. You know, not everything has to have Spider-Man in it. Yeah, and I love that this film has people who have been in massive giant franchises like Guardians of the Galaxy, like James Bond for that matter. Like, you know, Edward Norton was the Incredible Hulk in at least one movie. And that we need more films, I think, with grown-ups in mind to have and and that doesn't have to be super serious either. Does it even have to be Oscar bait, even though this film and both Knives Out and Glass Onion did get Oscar nominations for their screenplays. And I enjoy both their screenplays. I'm glad they were nominated. But I'm all for anything that was made for grown-ups. But hey, uh, part of the thing for grown-ups is to think about what is going to happen in minute 87. And that's going to be what we are going to be focusing on. Um, so I want to just say that on if you enjoy the, the Glass Onion Minute, uh, go follow us on Twitter at Glass Onion Min. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Benoit Blanc Minute, all one word. And, uh, and if you have threads, uh, .net slash at Benoit Blanc Minute. And uh, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. And tell your friends to enjoy all the Movie Minute podcasts because they're really, it's my favorite uh, genre to look at. Well, look at we are looking at Helen remembering how to snoop. And in minute 87, the snooping does begin. And we'll be covering that on the next episode of Class Onion Minute, part of Knives Out Minute podcast. I'm your host for this week, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.